This morning we have a, a great uh, gift for the, the Hillside family. It's a guest speaker. Uh, Lynn Dietz is a guest, but he's part of the family. Lynn uh, is our denominational representative uh, for the Evangelical Missionary Church of Canada. Lynn Dietz uh, has been uh, kind of our, our regional supervisor, if you want to call that, our support person for the last 12 years, um, and a good, good friend. I, I, my, my, one of my claims to fame is that I, I believe I introduced Lynn when he was out here many years ago to gelato. I mean, and so I feel like I was able to add a little bit of joy to your life. Because, you know, he's from Alberta, and Alberta doesn't do gelato, I don't think. I mean, do you, do you have gelato in... You have sushi? Yeah, have you had sushi? See, uh, just general rule of thumb, if you live inland, sushi's not a good thing. You want to do sushi on the coast, you want to do sushi in Saskatchewan, right? You don't want to. Yeah. Or Alberta. Um, Lynn, uh, Lynn has been a great gift. Uh, but I've, been, I've been friends with Lynn for many, many years. Uh, he served as an EMCC pastor for 22 years uh, and uh, lives in Three Hills, Alberta, and for the last 12 years has been serving as our regional minister. Uh, big range of churches that he, he serves and cares for. Uh, he's married to Debbie. They've got three boys, five grandbabies. And uh, tomorrow, uh, Lynn and I and, and uh, some of our extended church family are meeting for a pastor's retreat out in Cherish Camp. You can pray that we have a, a great time together. It's going to be sweet. And so Lynn, while he's in town, graced us with his presence this morning. What a gift. Thank you, Lynn. Come on up here and, uh, and share with us. Let's, let's pray for Lynn. He's got a Great job, loving on us, and uh, we're blessed by him and his presence. Father, thank you for Lynn. Thank you for the way you've uh, served us as a congregation through the years, through this guy and his, his huge heart and his love for Jesus. And this morning, uh, as he shares, it brings the word. I, we we uh, pray. Uh, I, know, I know his job takes him all over the country in, in many ways, and I pray that you'd continue to, re- even as he gives, you would refresh him and, and refill him and replenish him. Um, bless us now through his word, and may he just uh, share with, with your passion the, the gift that he has for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank Thanks you, for- thank you, Derwin. I have, uh, my wife and I lived in Portland, Oregon for four years, and uh, so we got to appreciate rain. And when, I first, when we first moved there, it had rained for 40 days and 40 nights. <laughs> So I began to, God, you said, um, but it was good to uh, get a feel for West Coast living, and actually, um, we really liked it. We, we, we figured this out. If, you can, if you're close to salt water and you can see the ocean, eat fish, order fish on the menu. If, if you're in Alberta, the rule of thumb is you can see the pastures and, and see the ranches, you eat beef. So that's what I do, you know, all things to all people, so... Uh, Fish and stuff here and beef in Alberta. It's good to be here. Greetings from your family uh, across the country, from Truro, Nova Scotia, right out to the West Coast. We have a family of about 157 churches, 157-ish. We're never not quite sure. What do you do with all those missional communities and those uh, sites of churches? We're not sure, but that's, that's about the size of our family. And uh, so greetings from them. We... Um, we have a great worshiping 
uh, tribe across the country. Did you notice the words were moving back and forth on the screen in that one song? Did you notice that? You have now hit the chart. There is only one other church that I've been in where the screen is shaking. And that's in the city of Winnipeg, and it's a church of African descent. And oh my goodness, it is just moving back and forth, and the building is moving. And, and I'm going, I'm white, I can't dance. <laughs> and I even said that, and they were laughing at me. But boy, was there a lot of energy, and the screen was going back and forth. But you guys hit that. I noticed. So there's only two of you in the whole family that can get the building rocking and shaking. So, man, you're right there. You're right there. It's good to worship and fellowship with you gracious and wonderful people. I want to tell you a story of one of our... Um, uh, we're going to talk about living a sent life from John 20, 21. I want to tell you a story about one of our churches in Red Deer, uh, Crossroads Church. The junior high pastor's name is James Choi, and he has this strategy of uh, living sent, and is of the idea of disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciple makers who make disciple makers who make disciple makers. That's what it's all about, right? So uh, he works with his leaders in junior high ministry, who work with the junior high, but in particular, they model and train up the, the grade nine students to take care of the grade and seven, eight students when they're in school. And so they come alongside of the grade nine students, in particular, with a major focus in their times of getting together, and they'll teach them how to pray, how to uh, discern what the needs are with someone else, and they'll teach them to be uh, compassionate like Jesus. And so you have James building into his uh, leadership team who builds into the grade niners, who can build into the grade seven and eighters, and that's really cool. So what happens in the junior highs in the city of Red Deer is that any of those junior hires that are connected to the EMC Church Crossroads know that um, if there's ever an issue that they're facing or being bullied or they're, they're just, they're feeling like they need some help, they'll go to, not call their parents or, well, might do that, but they'll go to a grade nine student and they'll say, hey, um, this has happened to me and that grade nine student will come around them and will pray for them and we'll, we'll, they've got their back. So these grade seven and eight students know that there's a grade niner that's got their back. That doesn't naturally happen in junior high. If you remember junior high, uh, but uh, so that's just one of the stories about what being a follower of Jesus means is to live sent and to be involved in other people's lives and be disciple makers. When I was growing up as a young uh, man in the church, my dad pastored in the EMC church and we were in a number of communities, that wasn't a part of the conversation about what it meant to follow Jesus. What it meant to follow Jesus was summed up in this evangelical, evangelistic mantra, if you died tonight, would you know you're going to heaven? Has anybody heard that one? Right, so we grew up with that. So following Jesus meant an eternal destination. So then following Jesus meant make sure that you go to church regularly and you read your Bible and you hang on till Jesus comes or until you die and go to heaven. So it was about me, the here and now, and then uh, it was about the hereafter and how the here and now, I was just supposed to hang on until Jesus comes. And so the whole idea of making disciples was not a larger part of the conversation in Canada, in the church. It was about hanging on. It was about cloistering. It was about just hanging out with the church people and hanging on. 
Uh, now, that was my experience. That might not have been your experience, but that was kind of how it was uh, for me. The Christian life seemed to be all about me, the afterlife, accept Jesus as personal Savior and Lord, and then hang on till heaven. And even that direction was just one way, and that was internal. Th- that was coming this way. But Jesus' life and teaching are also about, uh, majorly about a purpose and a calling beyond ourselves. And this is really important for me to put on. Oh, there are the notes. Following Jesus is about loving our neighbor, forgiving others, living generously, crossing cultural barriers, seeking justice and mercy, living with humility as we learn to love God and love others in our everyday lives. What's that direction? That direction goes this way. It's external. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.9, God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. It's about the purpose of Jesus that we live, and that purpose is out. The teachings of Jesus say we are meant for more than just an afterlife. We're meant for a present life lived out in the kingdom of God here and now, being a part of a community of faith, making a difference in our world by living lives that focus on being sent to bless and invite others to join others, to join us on our journey with Jesus. So how do we live this life that's external? How do we live this life of invitation? And uh, one one of the things that that I uh, have have picked up on is Well, this is one of the things that we do in the EMCC family. We focus on something called the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is a description. And just put that up there right now, uh, just if you want to do that. Yeah, sure. Okay, so this idea of the way of Jesus is a description, and it's a model of our journey with Jesus as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, but also as a disciple maker. It describes, prescribes, or models what it means to live this life that's sent to bless and invite. It's what it means to live like Jesus, for Jesus, in the power of the Spirit of Jesus. It's about following Jesus. And this is what we're laying out across the country, that we're followers of Jesus, that I've begun to follow Jesus and I'm depending upon the Spirit of Jesus in my journey. Holy Spirit-filled life. The DNA of a follower of Jesus is the Spirit-filled, Spirit-led life. That's our DNA. I'm being sent by Jesus to bless others and invite them to follow him. It's in bold today because that's the one I'm going to be focusing on. I'm not preaching through all seven of these, so just just relax. Again, just... We're good. I'm learning to be like Jesus in my attitudes, behavior, and character. I'm learning to love God and love others. I'm learning the teachings of Jesus. I'm helping someone. Someone is helping me to be a reproducing follower of Jesus. I'm participating in a community of followers of Jesus on mission to the world. This never has an end. It's I-N-G. I am. And I'm taking personal responsibility for it. So these anchoring statements describe and model the journey of following Jesus. And I want to focus on three words in that second statement today to help us live this sent life of purpose, not just for the hereafter, but for the here and now. So the first word, sent. Um, Jesus teaches us to live a sent life, and that's rooted in John 20, 21. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You notice that direction? The Father sent me, I am sending you. 
And followers of Jesus live with purpose, which includes living this sent life. Followers of Jesus live sent to bless and invite others to follow Jesus. We were never meant to live in isolation. There, there are times we're kind of driven to isolation through hurt or being wounded or maybe something happened in our life. There, there, there's some things that drive us to isolation, but that's not of God. We were never meant to live in isolation. We were meant to live in community. We were never meant to just stay, but to go. Jesus said, going, make disciples. We were never meant to withhold, but to give. We were never meant to keep for ourselves, but to invite others to follow Jesus. We were meant to live a sent life. And Pastor Derwin has started this series in, through, through the fall, how following Jesus turns the world upside down. And, and, and last week he talked about Acts 1.8. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And, and that's local, regional, cross-cultural, and global. And we encourage our family of churches across the country to have an Acts 1-8 profile when they focus on what it means to be a church on mission. That they'll do one thing really well locally. They'll do one thing really good regionally. They'll focus on one thing really well that's cross-cultural. And they'll focus on one thing really good that's global. And of course, if God graces you with the ability to more than just one thing in those areas, that's fine. But that's our focus. What are you doing that's living sand to impact your world, local, regional, cross-cultural, and global? So I'm, I'm excited about where you guys are headed this fall with uh, what's worth coming up in, in the focus you have. Living self-absorbed, self-focused is not God's purpose for our lives. <clears throat> We're not here to, as someone said, perspire, acquire, retire, and expire. It's kind of how uh, we get on this treadmill like that. And that's, that's not how we're supposed to function or live. On the contrary, we see everything we receive is a gift of God, whereas we can then turn that and live it out with the Jesus paradigm of freely you have received, freely give. We receive from God, we give. Interestingly enough, he included this statement in his commission to the 12 disciples before he sent them out in Matthew chapter 12. Freely you have received, freely give. Now that's a mantra. Freely you have received, freely give. Go. So we live sent. We're actually following the example of Jesus who himself lived a sent life. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So what does living sent actually look like? What is the posture of a sent life? What does that look like? Well, I was wrestling with this on my sabbatical last year and it came to this, to live sent means to intentionally look for and engage in God's story in the life of the next person in front of you. Because we believe that God is everywhere at the same time calling everyone to himself. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to eternal life. So it is our theology, our belief that God is calling everyone to himself. And that's where we just have this idea that we need to live sent. To live sent is to be aware that God is writing his story in the life of everybody that you meet, no matter who they are, what they believe, who they follow. God is at work drawing them to himself. And we have the privilege and the opportunity to be involved in helping them make sense of God's story in their life. 
It is this ability, well, it's this dynamic of being curious about what God is writing in that person's life. Even the person who cut you off on the freeway. Lord, bless you on your way as you go. Thank you for slowing me down on the freeway. <laughs> and, and that's all our response, right? That's how gracious we are. <laughs> I should probably move on right now. But we live with a sense of curiosity. I wonder what God is up to in that person's life. They've just handed you the, the cup of coffee through the window. And we say, thank you, have a good day, because they do it. And we wonder, I wonder what God is writing in that person's life. The person at the checkout counter, the person that comes and does your home rentals. What is God up to? We lean into that with curiosity. I wonder what God is writing in their heart and life today. So we lean into it with curiosity. That's what being sent is, to lean in with curiosity to say, Holy Spirit, is there an opportunity here for me to speak a word or to be uh, affirming in some way or to be generous with a gift? Or wh wh What does it mean for me to live sent in this situation right now? So to lean into a person's heart and life. Another facet of living sent is to live with the purpose of sharing the reason for the hope that lies within us. First Peter 3, 15. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. We can just park there for a while. Not going to. Set apart Christ as Lord. We do everything under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Everything we are, everything we do, everything we ha have is under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So we set it apart as under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. So why was that added? Why did Peter put that in there? Peter, of all people, <laughs> gentleness. Oh, my, he was a learner. Because that's the posture of Jesus. That's Jesus' posture, gentle, respectful. He is many other things, but that's a part of who he is. So there are people around us who need the message of hope in Jesus. Uh, I travel a lot, and uh, I was in the city of Winnipeg one time. I finished that particular ministry that I was the reason I was there, and so I, I was at the airport, and uh, I was uh, getting ready to board the plane, and uh, so I, I came up to, to get in line, and beside me was uh, this is WestJet uh, flight attendant, and uh, she had the, the, the three black bags stacked up, so you know that that's the flight attendant, right? Have you, have you seen them? And so uh, I, I just stood beside her, and uh, I noticed that uh, she was there, but she wasn't over here, and I said, so uh, are you... Uh, are you going to be a flight attendant today? And she says, no, actually, uh, I'm just going to Calgary to start my shift. And, and so I said, you live in Winnipeg? Yeah, I live in Winnipeg, and I, I work out of Calgary. And I'm thinking, well, how modern is that? Anybody here live here and work in another province? You, you probably do, but that's just kind of crazy, right? So she says, I'm going to start my shift in Calgary. And I thought, oh, okay. I didn't press the conversation, but it's one of those things where as I listen to the Holy Spirit, we're just going to go. So, so I just, you know, okay. It, it was, uh, and she was standing there like this on her cell phone. And then she said, I'm just texting my son. And I, I was kind of surprised, like, what, what, I wonder what that's all about. I'm a stranger. I'm texting my son. His best friend 
just committed suicide last night and my son is beside himself and he doesn't know what to do. And I went, wow. In just a few seconds, this lady is unpacking some of the most deep personal stuff that she's going through and she doesn't even know me. But somehow, as with me, as with you, the presence of Jesus, we carry the presence of Jesus. And that's something that's... uh, on a spiritual level, there's, there's a sense of something's going on, so she just unpacks her story. She doesn't even know me. She says, yeah, his best friend killed himself last night, and uh, my son is beside himself, uh, so now I'm trying to talk to him, and I'm texting him trying to figure out how I can bring hope to his life and how I can help him walk through this difficulty, and, and I'm really feeling for my son. I'm going, oh, wow, wow. And so we had a brief moment to talk about what hope meant and what hopelessness meant and how that's just, a, that's just a blight on our country these days with young people taking their lives. And then the call to get on the plane. So we get on the plane and I never saw her again. So here you have this situation where a person said there is no hope. I've come to the place where there, I know there is no hope. I've not found any hope. So he takes his life. His friend is beside himself. What does that mean? And so we have the opportunity to come alongside people in everyday life who have no hope. And as we share the Jesus story, we are able to help them make sense of life, to make sense of what hopelessness or the answer to hopelessness. We have that privilege to come alongside people as the Father has sent me, I am sending you, and then we become Jesus to that next person who needs to hear the message of hope. And it's not just as individual followers of Jesus. As a congregation, we live as sent as a congregation. It's corporate sentness. You are bringing in a family a refugee family that need hope. You're making help make sense of their life and sense of the world, and you're coming alongside of them, and so you are a blessing congregation to a family, and you're helping to make sense. We don't exist in corporate huddles. It's not what we're supposed to do. Corporately, we're supposed to live with corporate sentness going. Second word, Jesus teaches us to live a life of blessing, to bless. We used to get hung up on, well, have you given a witness to Jesus today? Have you quoted scripture to someone today? And you know what? The word of God is active and powerful and sharper than a double-edged sword and cuts between joint and marrow, soul and spirit, and the word of God is absolutely amazing and powerful. Yes, there are words to share. But man, when we get caught up in My idea of engaging my world is to quote scripture and hammer with a spirit of condemnation. It's not really where Jesus was at. The words of God, yes, they are important and they are life-giving. But how that opens up is to live with blessing, to live a life of blessing, not condemnation, not judging, but to bless. Even Jesus' job was not to condemn. John three sixteen is a popular verse. 
If you watch NFL football at all, you'll see John 3.16 at the end zone when they kick the extra point. Somebody's always there. Many times they're there waving John 3.16. Well, what does John 3.17 say? What's the next verse? Jesus has not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Jesus might be saved. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We've been set free from the law of sin and death. We now live under the Spirit. There's no condemnation there. And so what it means, Billy Graham said, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and my job to love. I think Billy was on to something there. So what does blessing mean in this context? Not condemning, but blessing. Well, blessing is basically doing good with warmth and intent. It's basically what it is. That means we're sent to bless with warmth and favor and to sent, we're live, sent with the message of reconciliation. That's what it means to be a blessing. And from the very beginning, God's way of reaching and the restoring the world has always been through a blessing strategy. It has been God's design from the outset to bless. So that's God's strategy. I want to unpack that just a little bit. What's my landing time here? I, I knew the first one was 10-10, but I'm not sure when to land here. Oh, well, I'll just keep going. And somebody will go, <clears throat> please stop, land, just, just stop, okay? Uh, God blesses us. From the beginning here, we read, we're blessed with purpose. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. And so we're blessed with the purpose of co-creating with God and to help life flourish around us. Life as God intended it to be. And you're helping life flourish with the family you're bringing in. You're, you're blessed to be a blessing. We're blessed with identity, purpose and identity. When God created man, <coughs> he made him in the likeness of God. Wow. Just, just let that sink in. God created us in his likeness. Fallen, shattered, broken, but likeness nonetheless. He created the male and female and blessed them. And when he created them, he called them man. We're made in the likeness of God. We bear the image of God. We are image bearers. As image bearers, we move into our world, into our community, into our life as image bearers. And so that's a part of the call we have is to reflect the image of Jesus to our neighbors. That's a pretty cool calling. Isn't that cool? I am here to reflect the image of Jesus as best I can under the filling and anointing of the Holy Spirit. We're image bearers. What a blessing. God blesses others through us. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, God told Abraham. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. We are blessed to be a blessing to others. God wants to bless others through us. One of your sister churches uh, in the province of Alberta, uh, in my region, they were having a, a financial crisis. They were in a deficit position. Have you ever been in a deficit position? And so the church was lacking funds and it was, it was not good. The trajectory was not good to the point where they call a special meeting of the board and we need to talk about the deficit. What are we going to do? What cost-cutting measures? What, what can we do? 
At the same meeting, a request came from the, uh, the, the school district. And this church, your sister, had a reputation in the community for being a caring and giving and generous church. Someone in the school district, whether it was a principal or a teacher, I'm not sure, knew about this church and, and brought a request to the church. And they said, we have a list of 20 families in this school that's close to you. We're wondering if you as a church could come alongside of them and help them out in some way. So they're looking at the deficit, and they have a request to give more. What, what are you going to do? So here's the decision the leaders made. They prayed, and they said, what we're going to do is we're going to give our way out of this deficit. That was their response. They said, yes, we'll take this on. So they give a care package to every one of those families once a month. That's what they committed to do. At the end of the year, they're doing the math, and they, they have this surplus that's way above, and they're going, what? How did that happen? Of course, we know how it happened. But when they made that decision that night as leaders to give their way out of the deficit, they represented this generous spirit that God has. They were blessed to be a blessing, and it didn't matter what was on in the, the, the financial lines of the church, and so they gave their way out of that deficit position. We're blessed to bless others, no matter what our own situation is. So now comes a hard part. God asks us to bless our enemies. There is no other religion on the planet I, that I know of that says, bless your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. I, I don't know of one, but Jesus tells us to do this. This is the call we have to bless our enemies, Luke 6. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless, it's an imperative, that's a command, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you, love your enemies, do good to them. That's a calling we have, is to bless our enemies. This is, this is unique in all the world, my friends. President Phil, the past president of our denomination, said, think about the person you love the least, and that's how much you love God. Oh, man. I know he was my boss. I'm still struggling with that one. Your love for God is as strong and genuine as your love for your enemy. So maybe in your groups this week, you might want to chase that one around a bit and see if, if that lands anywhere. I'm not sure. Uh, bless people who can't bless you. Bless people who won't bless you. Bless people who want to curse you. Go a little deeper. Spend a minute longer. Bless them in the name of Jesus. Let them see the behavior of Jesus in you. This has been our heritage from the get-go. From the very start, Jesus said, bless those who can't bless you or who won't bless you. This goes in his book, um, The Triumph of Christianity, how the Jesus movement became the world's largest religion, Rodney Stark. He traces the sociology of the rise of the Jesus movement even through some of the greatest persecution that the church ever went through. And in this period of time, he said, the plague of 165 AD in Europe lasted 18 years and a third of the population died. So you put that in context. Can you imagine a pandemic hits Canada over the next 18 years and 12 million people die? 
would you be tempted to move? I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm, I'm, I'm going south. I'm going east, west. I, I might even go north. I'm out of here. Because if I got a family of six, two of us are going to be gone. So what do you do? What decision do you make when you're in that situation when a third of you are going to be gone over the period of a teenager's life? 18 years. A second plague, 251 AD, lasted 15 years. Most fled. The followers of Jesus stayed and cared for the sick and the dying, risking death themselves. Stark says, in Jesus, they had the hope of eternal life. In Jesus, they had the model of how to live this present life. In Jesus, they conquered their own fear of death to care for others. So there was a bishop at the time, the bishop of uh, Alexandria, Bishop uh, Dionysius, and he wrote a letter, a pastoral letter in praise of his members. This is what he said. This letter is like really old. He said, heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ, and with them departed this life serenely happy. For they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. Many, in nursing and curing others, transferred their death to themselves and died in their stead. They were commanded to take the posture of Jesus when we bless others. Even those who can't bless you back or who won't or who even want to go further and Try to take your own life. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you, Luke 6. So Peter echoes the same theme in 1 Peter 3, 9. Do not repay evil with insult or insult with, or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because of this, you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. Okay, we'll move on from that one. Okay. God asks us to bless others with good works. So we're not meant to consume, we're meant to give. A consumer mentality focuses on just me. It's the opposite of the call of following Jesus. Now, of course, we need to consume. We need to consume air. <laughs> we need to consume food. We are called to, uh, you know, we care for our families, put a roof over the head, uh, our heads, uh, clothes on our back. These are needs. Of course, we consume to a point, but when consumerism takes over our life. We're off track. There's a difference between consuming and consumerism. And all ism is idolatry. Think about that one too. That, write, write that one down. So, Mike Breen said, disciples aren't consumers, they're producers. It's our identity to be generous because Jesus is generous. Jesus modeled doing good. Acts 10, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And Paul taught that we imitate Jesus in this for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.9, of course, says that we're not saved by those works. We're saved by grace. But we were created to do good works. As a result of the grace we've received, the salvation we have, we now move forward with doing these good works. So 
How does that work out in our everyday lives? Well, there's an acronym that uh, would be helpful. It, it gives practical guidance in this command to bless others with good works. And so we bless others with uh, WAG. WAG. Words of truth and grace, actions of help and service, and gifts of generosity and care. Just a simple acronym with six words that give a little bit of trajectory and, and uh, just banks of the river to give flow. Words of truth and grace, actions of help and service, and gifts of generosity and care. And, and that's how we can bless. And when we wag, is that up there? Yeah, when we wag, we actually cremate, uh, we create community by doing that. That's community creating when we do that. Another church used the uh, BLESS acronym. And so B stands for begin with prayer. You know, pray and ask God, how do you want me to bless the world today or my neighbors? How can I bless my neighbors? L's, listen. We're to be a people who listen and are truly interested in struggles and pains that our neighbors, coworkers uh, have and the challenges they face where they live and work. E stands for eat. That's my favorite. So we build genuine relationships that bless the world. We also need to share meals with people who we're praying for. And sharing meals together is this powerful dynamic of creating community and fellowship. And then the first S is serve. We're, we build relationships through listening and eating with others, and we will know then how we can serve them when we build these relationships. And in response to that, we can choose to meet others' needs in practical and impactful acts of service. You as a congregation, as the, the temple here, you're all temples, you are the temple of the the Holy Spirit, you're the body of Christ, you're doing an act of service for a family you're bringing in. And so I bless you in the name of Jesus for blessing others. I bless you in that. And the last S is story. We're called to share the story of God. What's your Jesus story? And how does your Jesus story match up with their story? What is God writing in their life? What's he writing your life? And um, is that a conversation to have? So that's another way to do that. Well, that's enough on uh, bless. Number three, last word, we live a life of invitation. I'm being sent by Jesus to bless others and invite them to follow him. In an article in Outreach Magazine, Pastor James Chong told this story. He says, I remember when a young campus minister told us the story of how he prayed for a homeless man who'd been struck by a truck. He was hunched over with broken ribs but didn't bother going to the hospital. This minister prayed for the man, and as he prayed in the name of Jesus, they both heard cracking sounds coming from his ribs. At the end of the prayer, the homeless man straightened up, stretched out his arms, took a deep breath, and smiled. <coughs> he was healed. <coughs> uh, I just lost my voice. <coughs> Is it water? <coughs> So at the end of the story, I asked excitedly, he says, did you invite him to follow Jesus? And he looked at me, blinked his eyes, and said, I didn't even think to ask. Didn't even think to ask. I give you water in Jesus' name. <laughs> Thank you for blessing me. That'll work. <clears throat> okay. Actions don't interpret themselves. Actions don't interpret themselves. It's like two wings of an airplane. You're not going to get lift with just one. 
if all you're doing is pounding the message and there's no actions that go along with it, it's not going to get left. If all you're doing is actions, but there's no interpretation of it, it's not going to get left. So that's important. Actions don't interpret themselves. And we see this in, in Jesus' pattern in his ministry throughout the gospel. There was a demonstration of the power of the kingdom of God, but it was always followed up by an explanation. There was the truth of the gospel, but there was the proof of the gospel. And the proof and the truth go hand in hand. Romans 10, <coughs> everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. And how is the word of Christ heard? You are the only Bible some people will ever read. The word is heard through you. Ryan Dennison, a writer of a, a blog on the internet, said, as we live for Jesus, <coughs> what are the stories we're telling that are connecting our lives to others? Interesting question. How are we connecting the words of the gospel with the proof of the gospel? What stories are we telling that help form and shape our life and the life of our family and our church towards living on mission and making disciple makers for the sake of the kingdom? How are we forming and shaping the Jesus story in the life of the next person in front of you? What does that look like? We have a neighbor. She broke her leg, and she called us from the hospital after she broke her leg. We didn't know. And so she said, can you help me take care of my pets? And uh, her dog is a blue healer, very protective. And so she said, when you go to the door, he, she probably won't like you or let you in, but you need to go in and feed her. Thank you. <laughs> so we did that. It took me two days to get the dog to come out of the house. That was the first time. The next time she asked us to help, uh, we, just, we just spent the week just taking care of her pets. They're very special to her. She was in the hospital. Then she called and said, uh, and we had this family gathering going on. She says, could you bring uh, my dog up to me in the hospital? I, I said, I didn't know that they did that. She said, I didn't know either, but just emotional health. I don't know. So they, 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 they're going to let me have my dog in, in my room for a couple hours. Can you bring my dog? So I'm thinking, that means I've got to put your dog in my car. She sheds a lot, and she's going to be growling at me, and she's protective. And I'm not sure I... Sure, I would love to bring your dog up to, <clears throat> to the hospital. So I left the family gathering, and my oldest son said, well, I hope to see you back. <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate your support and your help. No one, no one volunteered to go with me. I'm not going. You can take the... So I put the dog in the back. The dog sits there panting in my ear right here. <laughs> and I'm going, dear Jesus, please. I just Because I, I had been mauled by a German shepherd when I was five. And this part of my face was just kind of dismembered. Well, it was, it was, 
stitches, that kind of stuff. So I'm driving, you know, with stuff, right? We always carry baggage. We get to the hospital, I take the dog in, and, and she's so happy. So that was just one of those crazy things. At the end of this whole time, she said, uh, why are you being such good neighbors? And I said, well, it, we just follow Jesus. And we know Jesus asks us to, to do good and to bless others. And we just want to live like Jesus. That's what we want to do. And, and so we're just trying to be Jesus to you. And, and she said, you follow God different than most people I know. <laughs> and I said, well, um, we, well, we just follow Jesus in a particular, I said, would you be interested in having that? She said, I would love to hear about that sometime. And I said, okay, let's set up a time and, and we'll have this conversation. I look forward to that. You, you follow God different than most people. Do they say that about hillsiders? I'll bet they do. I'll bet they do. Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors, and, and we know that whole thing. He just lived this life of blessing, and uh, he did not live in isolation. He, he lived in the world of the mess. He engaged people's mess. And so we live sent to engage mess. So three words, sent, bless, invite. So um, just a way of Jesus, these disciple-making practices, number two, I'm being sent by Jesus to bless others and invite them to follow him. So now I'm going to invite Lincoln to come up with the worship team, and they're going to close this off with a song. As they come up, I just want to, I'll take this with me, but I just want to, uh, we live generously because Jesus is generous. We live with an outward focus because Jesus came to live with an outward focus. We live sent to bless and invite because Jesus has blessed us with his presence and invited us to follow him, and we can do nothing less than invite others to come and follow Jesus along with us. So doing good with warmth and intent is a calling we have. It's our purpose. It's how we demonstrate Jesus in us, the hope of glory. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would bless this congregation. This is your temple right here. And so I pray, Heavenly Father, that, that you would... Uh, that Hillside Community Church would just have this reputation of being people who love Jesus, who want to follow Jesus, who are filled with the spirit of Jesus, and who are on a journey of making disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. And I pray a blessing over this body of believers that gather here in this place, identified under your name, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And uh, may this body of believers live sent all over this community, and our world. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.